And good morning, Rich Point Church. We're really glad you're here this morning. I want to begin doing something a little bit different, and just we realized that God provided for us in a major way this week and dodging hurricanes, but it wasn't a case for everybody. So I just want to uh, say a general prayer for us, just thanking God for his provision, but also pray for those who are still in the path of Matthew, uh, but definitely those who've been decimated, particularly in Haiti. Uh, the last count I heard was over 850 people lost their life there. Uh, so let's go ahead and do that first. Uh, Father, I believe that you are the great provider. God, that you're the healer. And, and I thank you for how you spared uh, our area any significant damage. Uh, God, I pray for those that are still at work, especially we have some people uh, that are part of our community here at Ridge Point that are involved in uh, restoring power right now. And God, I just thank you for the people who are just serving in so many different capacities. I pray your strength to be upon them. Uh, God, I pray especially for those that are still on the path of Matthew, those that are still dealing with, with the the wrath and, and the, the, the water damage and stuff that's taking place. God, I pray that you just be with them right now and give them strength. Uh, God, I pray for those who are uh, still in, in recovery mode, maybe even down south a little bit further, and especially for Haiti. Uh, God, I know they've been decimated. There's been so much politically that's taken place, and, and they've had deforestation, and it's made uh, just the weather even uh, more impactful there. And so, God, I would just pray right now that you just work on them. I pray even as recovery efforts are, are being made to, to help them out, God, I pray that you just give them the answers that they need as a country. I pray for healing for those who've lost lives, God. We believe that even amidst the devastation, you're with us. And so, God, we just pray for them, especially right now. Again, we thank you for your provision. We believe that you are a great God, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So for us, this has been a crazy week. Uh, definitely here in Polk County. I know you guys were dodging hurricanes. Actually, way before that, we kind of had a, a planned trip to go down to the Dominican Republic. I just wanted to spend some time. We have here at Ridge Point Church, well, we have five people that over the course of the last couple of years uh, that were part of Ridge Point Church, part of our community, uh, that felt called into full-time missions. And so I wanted to go travel down just as a pastor and go spend some time with them just to see how they've been doing. They've been down there for four or five years. And so just a chance to get an update, see the work they're doing. Uh, I'll share more about that in a couple of weeks when we get into a portion of, of our next series, Therefore Go, talking about international missions and why we do that. Uh, but we have five people living in the town of Hardabacoa in the Dominican Republic in two different ministries. One is Fight Ministries, uh, which is a group that is trying to rescue uh, people, rescue especially girls from human trafficking. They're in the middle of building a safe house and doing incredible work there. Uh, so we have Luke and Naomi Osberg and Phyllis Brady that are working there with Fight Ministries. Uh, and then also, I spent half the time there and half the time with Dulos Ministries, where Trevor and Kathy Plankenhorn are. And uh, they're providing education and, and an incredible environment for the children uh, in that town. And again, I'll share more about what they're doing. Uh, it'll get a little bit into the message this morning, but more in a couple of weeks. And the crazy thing was, was that as I was preparing to fly down at that point... The forecast for Matthew called to going directly by the Dominican Republic, and we're kind of a little bit nervous. Was my plane flight even going to come in, and what was that going to mean while we were there on the ground? And really, it wasn't coming that close to Florida at all, and so we felt pretty safe with me leaving. Everything's okay. And then it really, you're going to see in a second, it kind of dodged us where we were, and then the track kept going further and further west, and I'm watching and thinking, man, I wish I hadn't left my family as that thing is coming closer and closer to us. But the crazy thing was, and God spread us in, in both, so I was kind of dodging Matthew early in the week as Polk County is dodging Matthew later in the week. But the crazy thing was, was we landed on Monday, uh, clear skies, everything was good, but, but it's forecast to hit Tuesday morning. And if you're not familiar with Haiti and the Dominican Republic, they're both on the same general island, uh, Hispaniola. Uh, Haiti's on the west side and, and Dominican Republic's on the east side. There's a huge difference in the two populations and what the country has done. And so that's why Haiti tends to be devastated even more 
But the hurricane was going directly at Haiti, which wasn't prepared for it. People, many people not even being aware that a hurricane was coming. And, and meanwhile, on the other side of the Dominican Republic, people were kind of getting ready. They closed school for three days. Uh, and, and we had actually planned on Tuesday, we're going to do some work and fight, said, no, you know what? We're going to get some heavy wind and some rain. And, and so because of that, we'll go to the property, we'll have lunch, but we're not planning on doing any work today because it's going to rain all day. And then I want you to show you how, how God just kind of took care of, uh, of us while we were there. That day on Tuesday, we were supposed to get all the rain and the wind and everything. Here was what happened. Here's the radar of that day. Now, on the left there, that big group of, of that's where the main storm is. And then you see a band had broken off. All the red weather on the right was also some heavy rain and some heavy wind. We were literally that little dot right in the middle. And, and rain went up, I mean, bad storms on both sides of us. And we were sitting on the side of that mountain that day with just a little bit of a drizzle, all, like it, barely at all throughout the day, and no wind. I mean, not even like five-mile-an-hour winds. We're like right in the middle of it saying we should be getting heavy weather right now, and there's nothing. And so we sat there for half the day having lunch, kind of hearing about them. And eventually we're like, you know what, let's just go ahead and get to work. Uh, so it's crazy how God kind of spared us in, in, a, in a really cool way. And we kind of saw that provision uh, throughout the week. And so that's kind of where we were at dodging the storm. And then obviously what happened here at Polk County was, was incredible. But it was a really cool chance to, to catch up and, and kind of hear about what they're doing and to see firsthand the steps that have been taken uh, for, for both those groups. So we're really excited about that. And we'll report more about that again in a couple of weeks. But if you have your Bibles, go and open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Today we are wrapping up this journey that we've called Wonder Life. I've, I've loved this. I've mentioned this most weeks. But I've loved the interaction. The fact we can talk about this in church, in groups. That we have the workbooks kind of going along with that. And I've loved the interaction. I, I believe that we grow the most as individuals. Not when someone is up here telling us what to do all the time. But when we figure out a way to actively engage with the teaching and start to ask ourselves questions, I think that's really essential for all of us. And so hopefully through this journey, you've seen that. You've asked yourself questions. If you've been doing the workbook, you've spent time really contemplating, okay, what does that mean for me? And, and, and even in the creativity and some of the stuff, you aren't sure exactly why am I doing this. Hopefully in that, you found some sort of benefit uh, as, as you dig in and really start to discover what the Wonder Life is all about. Wonder Life was based upon two key questions we've talked about this weekly. The two key questions seem very simple on the outside. Question number one is, who am I? Uh, it's a question of discovery. Uh, it's a question that requires us peeling away multiple layers. But then the second question, as we got into the later life marks, the second question became even more important if we figured out number one. The second question is, why am I here? What, what is my purpose? It's a question of discovery and a question of purpose. And for most of us, I'm convinced, for most of us, we go through our life and we kind of figure out where we fit in on the surface level, and that's it. And we never spend any time really digging into question number one. And so because of that, we can never answer question number two effectively. And so, so Wonder Life came in and said, man, we want, we want to get back to uh, have, having a Wonder Life, that idea of, of, of getting rid of the cynicism of life, getting rid of just the jadedness that sometimes creeps into our lives in particularly when we become adults. It, it's so simple because of, of the stain of, of sin and, and the, the mistakes that we've made or the mistakes that have happened to us where people have hurt us. It's so easy for you and I to be hurt by that and to say, well, because of this past hurt, I, I'm going to stop believing the best of, about life. And ultimately, we may, might never admit this out loud, 
But I might even question the best about God and this journey with Him. And we start to allow this jadedness to, to kind of creep into our life. And, and I don't think we intentionally do it. But below the surface, just because life kind of hurts, it's really easy just to say, well, I'm, I'm going to stop really buying into all that. I'm going to stop embracing life like I should. Jesus, Jesus never promised life was going to be easy. In fact, many times he taught us, his teaching was life wasn't going to be easy. But he did say, I've come to give you life. And to give you life more abundantly. And I believe that's not just in eternity. I don't think that's a promise just for the future. Though it is a promise for the future, it's not just for the future. But that literally for us, that Jesus wants to come and give us a super abundant life right now. Again, that's not saying, there, there are TV preachers that will tell you, that means you're going to get all this stuff and all this riches right now. That's not the teaching. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the opposite. But it's saying that he's going to help us discover what that wonderful life is about. Like I can go in the midst of my calamity. I can go in the midst of my devastation. And I can still find something to be thankful for. I can still find something to enjoy life about. Caleb mentioned as part of Wonder Life, we did the Great Date Experiment, and we went out last Sunday night. And some of it was just like cool stuff. We went out to dinner. Uh, one of the things that you got extra points for going out to dinner was if you went to a restaurant that neither husband or wife had ever been to before, you got extra points for trying something new. We are habit. We're creatures of habit. We go through a routine. So try something new. Uh, some of it was <clears throat> go to a store and find uh, a candy from your childhood. And go in and eat that candy. Don't worry about the calories. Calories don't count tonight. Eat it. Don't worry about the calories. Then flip it over after you're done. Look at the calories. And however many calories you ate, that's how many points you got. And so it's just like this, this fun stuff of doing some different things. There was points for sword fighting in a toy store, in a toy aisle. And, and an amazing video of some of the massive fights that took place because of that. Uh, some Walmart employees were probably questioning the adults that were in those aisles. It was just, it was just a, a fun night to say, man, we spend so much time being really cool and, and, and in control. And sometimes we're just supposed to enjoy this and have fun. And that's really what the Wonder Life is about. It's about saying, man, that in the midst of this, in the midst of my discovering what God's purpose is for my life, that life, even as hard as it can be sometimes, life is meant to be enjoyed. Not that it's meant to be easy, but it's meant to be enjoyed. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. And so in order to get there, we said there are four life marks of wonder life. A life mark number one is that my story matters. And we've talked about these each week, but my story matters. And I think this is so essential, especially in light of some things I've seen this week, that everybody's story matters. And it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what background they come from. It doesn't matter how many mistakes they made in the past or even what they're currently dealing with. Their story matters to God. And if it matters to God, then ultimately it should matter to you and I. As we're down the Dominican Republic, and I saw this over and over, but down in the Dominican Republic, even though they're on the same island, there are some Haitians that make it over into the Dominican Republic. And when the Haitians make it over into the DR, they're viewed as, as second-class citizens. They're the ones who are doing a lot of the grunt work. They're the ones that, that almost the Dominicans don't even really want to talk to. And, and you see that, and you think, man, that, that's terrible. Like, it's so obvious when you're down there to, to see that and to see even the workers that come in. They're, they're paid on the lower scale and, and all this stuff. And, and we look at that and say, there's something wrong with that system. And yet I think sometimes you and I are, are guilty of doing that, of looking past certain people because of the way they dress or because of the way that they talk. And, and we say, no, listen, every story matters. 
And it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter how much you've screwed up. Your story matters to God. If it matters to God, it should matter to us. Life part number two is that I'm unashamed about things that I love and I care about. In order to really get to life mark number two, we have to know what we love and care about. If we've not peeled off the layers of question one and figured out who I am and and looked at question two of why I'm not here, then sometimes we're never even really aware of what we love and care about. Sometimes we go through life and someone says, hey, you should care about this. And so we say, okay, I'm going to care about that. But if we took time really to invest in our life and figure out who we are, sometimes we say, you know what, I've been doing this my whole life and I don't really care that much about it. But as I started to explore this facet of the world, I started to realize, man, that's, that's for me. All of a sudden, I started to realize there's something about my heart that comes alive. So I have to discover what it is that I, I love and care about. And then once I do it, I want that to become the passion of my life. I want to pursue that as best I can. Part of the wonder life is looking out and seeing what else is out there. What have I been missing because, because I've been stuck in my corner of the world? So life mark number two was I'm unashamed about what? I love and care about. Life part number three we got to last week. I'm honest about my obstacles and my opportunities. When obstacles come my way, one of the hardest things that we do in church is, is to be totally transparent about the stuff that we're dealing with. It, it's so easy to put on this front and say, hey, everything's good. And, and, and openness and, and honesty isn't often something that we long for in life. And yet as we realize it, and I'm not saying this is for something you do with everybody that you run into, but as you have that close circle of friends, as you have that group of people that you're doing life with, you become honest about, hey, here's some things that I'm dealing with, even some things that I'm struggling with. And here's some neat things that come my way, and I just want to be transparent about those things. The transparency is really, really dif- difficult. And number four, what we're going to talk about today is I am fully present in my life. Now, as soon as I put this out there, as soon as I saw this on my book, and I know some of you guys were already like looking ahead to see what the life marks were or saw it at the front of the book. As soon as you saw that, I think if you're like me, there's probably a pang of, of regret to say there are moments in my life that I know, maybe even seasons of my life, more than just a moment, maybe a season of my life where I became disconnected with the things that I love and care about. Like those things all of a sudden didn't become as important because it's so easy in life to become distracted. And so when you see this as life part number four, I'm being fully present in my life. Right away for me, as soon as I saw this, as soon as I knew this was coming, I knew, man, I had pangs of, of regret of, of moments of my life that I said, man, I wish I was more present at that point. But life is, it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to say, hey, here's where I really want to go in terms of my goals. But I got distracted. I focused on this. And this has taken up moments, minutes, days, weeks. Months of my life focusing on things, worrying about things that really aren't all that essential. I'll, I want to do a quick poll this morning. Uh, if, if, if I want you to think about real quick. Are, are you a morning person or are you, are you not so much a morning person? So do you like mornings or do you not like mornings? Uh, how many of you say, yes, I know I'm a morning person? That's awesome. I kind of figured first service are probably going to have a higher percentage. Next service, probably not so much. Um, now, if, if, you not, if you're not, if that's not normally your thing, if you say, no, I know I'm not a morning person, go ahead and raise your hand. All right. Keep your hands raised if that's you, because if you're part of the morning crowd, you kind of become exempt from the study. We're going to do a quick study uh, because we, we, we have this thing called an alarm clock that wakes us up. Most of us get woken up in the morning. You put your hands out for just a second, but I need your hands up in, in just one minute. Uh, so, so most of us have 
and alarm clocks. Uh, so if, if you're not a morning person, you probably have to set that alarm clock to make sure you're up for work and getting ready. Uh, but here's the thing. Back in the early 1900s, a guy invented something. And by the way, alarm clocks are, are sometimes the, the, the most horrendous noises come out of alarm clocks because that's what it takes to wake us up. They're loud. They're annoying. And so he set the alarm that's the loudest, the most annoying alarm. And, and, and so back in the early 1900s, a guy invented something that forever changed alarm clocks. He invented something called the snooze bar. And now we have snooze buttons. So for those who say they're not morning person, go ahead and raise your hand. If, 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 I, if this qualifies as, as you, you can go ahead and put your hand down. If you do not use a snooze button on a regular basis, go ahead and put your hands down. Okay, just a handful of people. If you use a snooze button only one time and then you get up, go ahead and put your hand down. That's nobody. Okay, one person. Uh, if, if you use it two times or less, put your hand down. <laughs> there's, okay, there's a handful. Who use if three times or less, go ahead and put your hand down. There, okay, so anybody else here says they use it at least four times. What's the most you use? What's the most you use? At least four or five. <laughs> an hour's worth. So it could be six if it's an hour. How many? Seven times. Okay, so, so, so here's the thing. I, I did a little bit of research on this. An average person uses an alarm clock, hits the snooze button three times in the morning. That was, that was never me. I'm one of the crazy people. I, I love mornings. Uh, so literally, it doesn't take me a second. My alarm goes off, and I'm like, all right, let's, let's hit the day running. But most people use an alarm clock, and, and they hit the snooze button at least three times. It's kind of the average. Now, here's why I say that, because I think in life, God has this clarion call for us. He has this real clear call for us. But what happens for you and I is that we hit the snooze button on, on, on life. We hit the snooze button on our calling, and we say, I'm, I'm eventually going to get to it. I'm eventually going to get up. I'm eventually going to get to it. But let me hit the snooze button and, and, and go back to sleep for a little bit. And let me hit the snooze button again, and eventually I'm going to get to it. Well, if that's us, if that's where we're at, not so much in the alarm clock world, but in terms of answering the clear call of God in our life, I want us to look real quick at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. We're going to get into the whole section of, of chapter 5 in a second. But in chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For anything that becomes visible is, is light. And then it says, Therefore it says. And there's this, this quote. If you, sometimes Bibles have the, the paragraph spacing where it's indented a little bit when it's a quote from another place in the Bible. And that's true in, in my Bible that I have in, in front of me here. Is it's kind of indented a little bit, showing that it's a quote probably from the Old Testament. In this case, it's actually from the book of Isaiah. But it says this, it says, uh, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. As, as a parent of teenagers, I know sometimes when I wake them up in the morning, my call could be, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Like that literally is what it's like. Um, but God is saying that's true of, of us today. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Now this, where it's saying it's quoted, and why it's kind of in brackets in, in, in my Bible is, it's actually quoted from the Old Testament in, in, in a small part. The part at the very beginning where it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, uh, that's actually taken predominantly from the book of Isaiah. There's a couple of different places uh, in the book of Isaiah where that is, is written. Now, the second part of it where it says, And Christ will shine on you, uh, Jesus doesn't appear until the New Testament, so that part is not uh, in the Old Testament. But the rest of it is a direct quote from the Old Testament where it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, or something similar to that. 
Uh, the second part about it being Christ is that Jesus is the fulfillment of what is promised in the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment and completion of that Old Testament promise. So it's saying, hey, what, what is talking about back then in the book of Isaiah is directly applicable to us today. So the call is a, for us when we're going to be fully present in life, when we're going to wake and let the light of Christ shine on us, it's that we are fully present in life. And I think that we as the church have kind of followed suit with what the rest of the world does, and we've kind of become less than fully present in our life. And so as we get into this this morning, I want to talk about this. I want to ask, how do we awake? How do we do this? And there are four statements we're going to make. Each of the statements says, I, I will be fully engaged in, and then there's a different part of our life we're going to be fully engaged in. Uh, the first part is, number one, is I'm going to be fully engaged in my spiritual life. Number one is I'm going to be fully engaged in my spiritual life. It's not up to somebody else. Even though I think there should be people in our life who are active and alert and watching our lives to see if there are areas that we're deficient, even though there should be people kind of using we use as accountability in our life, ultimately our spiritual growth, once we become responsible enough to, to handle these type questions, our spiritual growth is not based upon somebody else. It's based upon ourselves. We have to become aware and fully engaged in our spiritual life. Earlier on in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read through a lot of this this morning, but Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 5, it says this. And by the way, I plan on talking about this and then just some events that happened in our country this week. I'm reading this saying, man, this speaks truth to where our country is at right now. It says this, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, it says, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So, so what it's saying up to this point is, is that Jesus has called us out of darkness and he's called us into light. And because he's called us into light, we have to be very careful because the call is not to, to avoid people who are not walking in light. Otherwise, uh, we put ourselves up on a hill. We don't actually reach anybody. But it's saying now we have to be careful about how we walk, that we want to be able to reach people, but not become so tied up in the stuff that they do that, that what they're doing starts to affect us. We want to be an impact. We want to make a difference. In fact, that's the very thing that we're called to do. But in doing that, to make sure that we're keeping ourselves free from that old era of, of darkness that we used to dwell in. He says, we've been called out of light. We don't want to go back into darkness, even though we want to reach people who are still in the midst of that part of, of their life. And so that balance is always difficult as, as believers to be fully engaged in, in our spiritual life. I, I want to make an impact. But as I make an impact, I have to be careful to guard my heart and guard my life. Otherwise, I fall into the very things that they are doing. So be very careful about how we walk. We're supposed to walk in light. It says this in verse 10, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And then it gets into what we just read. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. 
So it says, listen, as we've been called out of darkness, as we've been called into light, Christ shines on us. He makes a difference in our life. And so because of that, if we're going to be fully engaged in this wonder life experience, we're going to be fully present in our life, number one, we have to make sure that we are fully engaged in our spiritual life. Interestingly enough, as, as we read this, it has that quote, and then it kind of continues in a similar vein. But I love this as we get to the second point. I'm going to be fully engaged. Point number two is I'm going to be, I'm going to be fully engaged in my present life. Because it says this. Verse 15 says, Look carefully, then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Making the best use of this time, because the days are evil. See, for you and I, we, we spiritually speaking, God has that clarion call. He has that, that clear call of God in our life. And that alarm goes off. And we hear it and we say, wait a minute, I know that this is my season. This is my moment of growth. And I should be doing something. I know that this is my purpose call. But what happens is I hit the snooze button and say, I'm, I'm not ready yet. I'm not there yet. If I hit the snooze button, if this comes back around at a different season of life, Right now, I'm going through a whole lot, and there's family struggles, and there's financial struggles, and I'm just not ready. But if I could just hit the snooze button, and an alarm clock comes back 10 years later, in 10 years, I think I'm going to be ready. And then 10 years goes by, and the struggles are different. But the struggles are still there. In 10 years, God's alarm clock goes off, and it says, hey, it's time to step up. And we say, Snooze. Here's the thing I've discovered about alarm clocks in the morning. The first time it's kind of difficult to hit that snooze button. The second time, not so much. And each time it becomes easier and easier until you know, no, I really need to get up. I think for some of us this morning, God's saying, how's the time? Like, it's, it's really time. Work is coming. It's time for you to report. It's time to answer that call in order to do that. I have to be fully present in my present life. We keep waiting, we keep putting it off, saying at some point I'm going to be there. At some day, I'm going to be there. You can't live the wonder life if you're living the someday life. If we keep putting it off, saying, hey, someday I'm going to get there. Someday I'm going to grow spiritually. Someday I'm going to get involved in this. Someday I'm going to start reading my Bible and praying. Someday I'm going to start giving towards church and getting plugged in in ministry. some point I'm going to do that, but not right now. I can't live the wonder life if, I, if I'm caught up in the someday life. That someday I'll get there, and someday that'll be important to me. We'll keep putting it off. We'll keep hitting the snooze button, and we're never actually going to get there. So in order for me to be fully engaged in the wonder life, I have to be fully present in my present life. It says about that, we're supposed to make the best use of this time because the days are evil. Right now, we have a call, and we have people we could reach in the midst of a very difficult time in our country's history. We have a chance to make a difference. It says, therefore, verse 17 do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting because uh, the Bible never says it's, it's wrong to drink or anything like that, but it does say don't get drunk with wine. Because what happens when we allow alcohol to be the, the controlling element in our life is alcohol controls us where the Spirit of God loses control over us. And so the teaching here, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, don't get drunk. In, in other words, don't allow alcohol to be the thing that controls you. But instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's actually a Greek word there for the word to be filled. The Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in Greek. 
And there's an interesting word. The word is actually plerousis, which is a really long word. But the word is actually in a very, in the Greek language, it's all about the different voices and tenses. But the thing about the word plerousis in that verse is it's a command, but it's a passive command. It's, it's saying, hey, you need to do this. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. You have to do this. But it's something passive. It's something that has to actually happen to you. You can't fill yourself. It's a command, but you can't do it yourself. But you have to allow yourself to be filled. So the command there is, is don't get drunk, which is going to control you. But instead, allow the Spirit of God to control you. Allow Him to come in. And, and it's a command to us. It's what we're called to do. Then it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to God, to God, to the Lord with our hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So saying, listen, this is how we engage in this present life. This is how we're supposed to, to deal with each other, especially inside the church. This is how we're supposed to communicate with each other. This is how we're supposed to love each other. This is how we're supposed to function. And then he starts to make a transition, which the rest of Ephesians 5 and the beginning of Ephesians 6 focuses on. We're not going to take time to read all of that. But it says, the very next verse, says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, right after this, Paul's about to get into the responsibility of, of the wife in the marriage relationship, the responsibility of the husband in the marriage relationship, the responsibility of, of the children and the responsibility of the parents. He's saying, listen, within the fi- family dynamic, we're going to have this big, overwhelming umbrella principle that here's how you're going to respond to each other within the family. See, the number th- three thing that we have to have if we're going to be fully present in life is that we have to be fully engaged in our family life. I think as, as a pastor who previously served as a youth pastor, the single greatest challenge our country faces is when we as parents disengage from our kids' lives. It's going to say, hey, go do whatever you want, and we become disengaged. And I think we're all guilty of that from time to time. But when the disengagement becomes on a larger scale, the effect it has on our children as they grow up is, is profound. So we have to be careful that we are fully engaged in our family life. As it gets into this, it says that our responsibility is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's within the family confines, within the family relationships, where to submit to each other. That word submission, a lot of people don't like it because in the next couple of verses, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands and, and wives. Whenever I go through marriage counseling with couples getting ready to get married, I kind of delicately walk through these words. I'm like, listen, there's going to be a word that comes up that you're not going to like uh, because the biblical word there is the word submit. But I said, before we get to that, understand Paul actually said in the marriage, even within the family, that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not because the other person is a good person, but we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what that means is at times the wife is going to submit to the husband. At times the husband is commanded right here to submit to the wife. At times parents will, uh, children will submit to parents. And at times, in appropriate times, parents will submit to children. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, it's delicate, that balance that we walk within the family, but that picture is there. Here's how you relate. And in order to do that, in order for us to get there, we have to say, man, I want Christ to be the center of my marriage, of my marriage, of my family, and I want to be fully present in my family's life. 
I want to make sure that, man, when I come home from, from work, even though sometimes there's stuff that has to be done, I want to make sure that when I come home, my family knows that they're more important than my work. I've tried to make it over the course of the last couple of years. I've tried to make it. There's sometimes I love, like, in the car, it's my favorite time to have telephone conversations and say, hey, if we're going to talk, I have this 15-minute drive home that I, I have nothing else going on. Let's, let's have that conversation then. And I love having those phone conversations, but I've tried to make it a point that every time I walk in my house, I might receive phone calls later, but when I walk in my house, I, w- I don't want my kids, I don't want my wife to see me as I'm walking in already distracted on the phone. And so even if i got to sit out in the driveway and, and finish a conversation for a minute or two and cut that conversation off so that when I come in, I can be fully engaged and fully present in my family life, that's really important for me. Now, interesting, the next couple of verses in the next chapter really deals with how we engage now. We don't have time to look at all of that. But I do want to get to the fourth point, and that is I want to be fully engaged in what we've been talking about up to this point. As we wrap up the series, I want to be fully engaged in the wonder life. I want to be fully engaged in, God, what is your plan? What is your purpose for me? And God, I want, I want to jump in with, with both feet. I want, I want to make sure that once I know who I am, once I know why I'm here, that I don't want to allow cynicism to creep back into my life. But I want to be engaged in this. I want to really be focused on what is my purpose. Skipping past all that, I want to look at the very end, the last couple of verses of Ephesians. So over in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 23 and 24, it says this, Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. He says, here's the call. Here's here's the call that we have. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I think the problem why we struggle with the wonder life is because we, we love Him, but the love is so tainted by our past experiences that the love is corruptible. And, and it seems like, no, that's not where I'm at. And, and yet if we look at our, our past experiences, look at some of the stuff we've been through, we'd say, no, I, I know that my past has kind of eaten away at, at, and, and eroded the, the genuine, incorruptible love I should have for Jesus. And so Paul writes and says, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love that is incorruptible. When I love him and I pursue his plan and I pursue his purpose for my life, I approach life in a very different vein than I've ever approached life before. I can't wait in a couple of weeks to share uh, a little bit more about what Fight is doing and, and, and what uh, Dulos is doing. But probably for me, the most profound part of the trip, I kept asking. I knew that I was there to help out the teams that are down there and kind of see and assess where they're at. But I also knew that God had something for me while I was down there. And I love, like, I love the experience. Some of the people that I met for the first time, like, I felt like in, in a week's time we become best buds and, and, and all that stuff. is a really cool experience. But the final day that we were there, Dulos is, is doing some work. There's, there's a community uh, about 40 minutes, I think it's north of, of where they're at. There's some rough roads and, and potholes and all that stuff. It took us a while to get there. But we went up to a community called Angosto. And up in Angosta, it reminded me a lot of our previous trips to Honduras. Like, like whereas we were in Harbacoa, it was the school was a beautiful school, very, very much not what we expected out of 
uh, working in, in a third world country. It's a beautiful school, a lot of really, really sharp educators that are working there. They're doing a phenomenal job. But one of the people that worked there, they have a really nice cafe there. And one of the people that worked in the cafe, her name was Griselda. And Griselda started to share the story. And actually, we got a picture of Griselda and, and the kids of Angosto. That was us on the final day. Uh, Griselda is the one in the red shirt right next to me. And Griselda was working uh, just at Dulos, uh, working in the cafe, and she loved Dulos. And she just, she has an intimate walk with, with Christ, and, and she was praying. And, and her husband is from Angosto, but they no longer live there. Angosto is a really rough community. And she said she'd been praying, and, and God started prompting her heart that she was supposed to go and start a ministry in Angosto. And she said, no, God, that's, that's not for me. <laughs> like, I don't like that area. It's really rough. It's hard to get to. I, I, could, I could never do that. Maybe somebody else, maybe my pastor, maybe my husband who's from there, but not me. And God kept communicating to her, saying, no, we want you to go to Angosto. You're supposed to go to Angosto. And she kept fighting it. And finally she said, okay. And, and, and here was her response. She loves the kids of Dulos. And she said, I hated everything about Angosto. I didn't even like the kids of Angosto. Like, they're rough, and there's some mean kids there. And she's like, I, I didn't want to go there at all. But she said, she got called, and she, she started to say, okay, God, I'm going to go at least explore this. And she went there and started talking to people, and she started meeting with people. And, and they said, okay, maybe this, there's something we could do. And she was just kind of doing it on the side. She's doing her work, and, and her husband's a builder, and her husband was helping her out with some things. And, and they found a place they could meet at temporarily, and she started doing some Bible studies and some education just in her free time. And then eventually that building said, no, you guys can't meet anymore. But someone else said, we actually have a big house that you guys could use. And, and they came in and they, they fixed the house up. They fixed the plumbing. They painted the house, put some drywall up, made it look really nice. And after they fixed everything up in the house, probably because they fixed up everything in the house, the person came and said, oh, I didn't realize that you're a Christian's meeting here. I don't want Christian's meeting here. You can't be here anymore. And so they benefited from all the work that they did and took the house back. So at one point, Griselda said, well, if we got to meet, in the street. Nobody owns a street. We'll meet in the streets. Like, if I got to go to the bank and borrow money. And then, so when we were there, it was actually relatively new. They, they had actually dug out. A team came out and dug out part of it. They, they bought a piece of property, but it was on a mountainside, like too steep for anybody to do anything on. And so a team came down there and dug out part of the mountain. And once they dug out the mountain, they put down this really nice concrete pad, and they started building up, and her husband's a builder, and started to do some of this. And and she started to share her story with us and say, this is what, what God has called us to do. And to see this person who a while ago would have said, man, I don't even like this community. I don't even like the kids in this community. To see her now come full circle when she walks around, there's a little down the road a little bit, there's a, a one-house schoolhouse that they actually have a teacher that, that is there and is, is teaching these kindergarten to third graders full-time. And that's just her classroom, and it's rough. Uh, while we were there, she, she has eight kids in the school. And that day, three kids were there. A couple of the kids that were all related had gotten in trouble. And their punishment was they weren't allowed to go to school that day. Some of us were like, I wish my parents had that as punishment growing up. But that was their punishment. They don't know any better. And so they're saying, hey, you're in trouble. You're going to be held back from school today. It's a rough environment. But to see God change Griselda's heart to the point that she was actively involved in the community that she never thought she could love. And to see the love that she now has for the community, and in return, as we pulled up, to see the love that the community and the kids has for her. A while back, she started to realize that, man, this is taking up a lot more of my time. And I don't know how I do it, because I love Dulos where I serve, but I feel like this is taking up more time. And, 
And so she'd actually put in her notice that she was going to resign from Dulos. And they didn't want her to resign, but they said, okay, if that's what God's called you to do, we want you to follow God. And she put in her notice, and the time came for her to leave. And she was seeking God, saying, God, something about this doesn't feel right. Like something just isn't, this isn't, this isn't what I'm supposed to do, but I, don't, like, I, I know it's going to take more time. And so she started praying, and she was a little bit nervous, but she said, I want to go to Dulos and said, I don't want to leave. But I need to do something up there. And so it started through this conversation that she can now work part-time. I, got, I think they're paying her full-time, but she works in the morning in, in, the, in this cafe at, at Dulos. But then Dulos has taken on this community to say, we want to be able to do whatever it takes to kind of continue what God has taught us here in Hotopakoa up in the Angosto community. In order for them to get that, it takes them being actively involved and aware of the community. Starting next week, we're actually starting off a three-week series about mission. Uh, what, what are we supposed to be doing, whether it's the, the compelling call that Christ has for our lives, or whether it's local missions or international missions, we're going to spend time talking about all three. But we believe for a long time that now is the season where it's going to take every one of us that are part of Ridgepoint Church to say, it, it, it's, it's time. I've hit that snooze alarm for too long. There's something that I can be doing right now to make a difference in my community, in my church, and in, in reaching my friends, my family. And it's time for us to respond and say, I want to be fully engaged. And it begins with me saying, I want to be fully engaged in my spiritual growth, my spiritual life. I'll be fully engaged in, in my present life. I'll be fully engaged in my family life. And ultimately, I want to be fully engaged in that wonder life that God has for me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, just this study. And, and, and God, I thank you for questions, questions that are raised about what it means for, for us. God, questions that I took in, what it means for me. God, I pray the questions don't end today. But I pray that, that we've bought into this idea that we're supposed to be pursuing you and discovering our purpose and why we're here. God, help that to be a lifelong journey, but a journey that's beginning right now. God, if there's a person here this morning who doesn't know what it means to experience wonder life because they've never truly followed Jesus, I pray that today is the day that they realize, man, that they're desperately in need of Him and that He's the only hope for their salvation. And that God, today would be the day that they realize that even though we mess up and we make mistakes, that our story matters so much that God sent Jesus to this earth to die for us. And all it takes is faith in Him to have eternal life and to discover why we're here and what our purpose is. Now, if there's someone here this morning that's never done that, I pray today is the day that they call upon Jesus to be their Savior. Now, for others who maybe made that decision but are saying, I'm struggling with that purpose, what my life is about. We talked this morning about a clarion call, a clear call. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. God, I pray that something in this study has, has, has opened up those layers of, of questions in their life. That they can start to discover or rediscover what their purpose is and pursue that purpose with everything they have. And we thank you for grace and mercy. We pray that over all of us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.